You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey everyone, before we get into today's episode, I just want to let you know that our friends at Outdoor Edge have partnered with some great brands to help bring your fall full circle with their Field to Freezer to Fire giveaway. Here's how you enter. Go to their Facebook page and sign up to win some awesome prizes and packages from brands including Yeti, Weston, Bradley Smokers, and more. These are some awesome products that will help you process your game, keep your game in the freezer, and eventually cook it for your table. You have until January 15th to sign up, so take advantage of that. Outdoor Edge in the Field to Freezer to Fire giveaway. Go to their Facebook page and make it happen. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today we have another Sportsman's Nation uh, crew member. What would what would we call you? Uh, brother? I like that. A crew member? I like it crew member crew member okay another yeah. crew member chad Riker from the backcountry rookies podcast welcome to the hunting gear podcast man thank you very much thanks for having me on here this is a really cool idea for a show i think dan so i'm, I'm excited to be on it yeah and i'm excited to have you on because uh the just just the title of your podcast backcountry rookies um makes me think of a whole bunch of different things and it kind of takes me back to and when it comes to western hunting I'll, I'll tell you straight up I'm still a rookie and it even makes me think about my rookie years as a whitetail hunter and all of the you know the strategy and tactics and stuff but because we're talking about gear today all the dumb purchases I made all the gimmicks <laughs> that I purchased you know all that stuff to that has led me to my thought process on gear today and, and, you know, for the beginning of the seasons, during the seasons, all that stuff. And I thought there's no better guy to talk about because in a way, in some way, shape or form, you've already gone through that or are still going through that, that process of learning to hunt 
and be efficient with not only strategy, but your gear as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you said a key word there, and that's gimmicks. And I think in the hunting industry, there's gimmicks on every turn and twist and yeah. corner that you can find them. There, there's always something out there that's just like the greatest new product. And is it that great? Does Is it really needed? So, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll dive down a bunch of rabbit holes, I'm sure. So I, th- I think the best place to start is, you know, when how how many years would you consider yourself a hunter i mean the backcountry the backcountry rookies podcast is only a couple years old but are you a couple years old too when it comes to uh, like western hunting or how many years would you say you've been a hunter yeah so i've hunted for a long time um never really out west that that's this is going on the fourth year for for being a western big game hunter yeah uh, I get in the sense of that, that we do it now, right? The, the hiking and the climbing and stuff. And I've been hunting in Texas for a few years more than that. And then I, I grew up whitetail hunting every now and then in Indiana. Um, I, I think an important note though, is I'm a gear junkie yeah. and that comes from 18 years in the military. Yeah. Right. And always toying and messing with gear to the military is notorious for having very heavy equipment and gear. And I have, I spent 18 years trying to find better ways to do stuff, to do stuff with gear, you know? So it's not like tweaking gear is, is a new concept to me. It's, it's something that I'm, I'm pretty used to. Um, when it, when you transition it into hunting animals, yeah, I've been doing that for four or five years now. Okay. So four yeah. or five years, um, when it when it came to let's let's just say you're getting ready to go on your first elk hunt or your first mule deer hunt or coos deer hunt or whatever whatever you decided you were going to go on what was your thought process back then uh as far as what kind of gear that you need versus what kind of gear that you want versus uh well maybe i should just buy ten thousand dollars worth of sitka and call it good because you felt <laughs> you know because you fell victim to the marketing side of things Right. And that happens a lot. Um, so when I very first started, I was actually deployed on a military assignment and I had lots and lots of time to listen to podcasts. And I, so I took a lot of my knowledge. My, my initial intent was to use a lot of my military gear that I had and then supplement with outdoor products, right? right. For stuff that I didn't have. Um, the more that I listened to a lot of outdoor podcasts, and this is pre backcountry rookies, um, the more that I realized there is much lighter, faster, better options out there for backcountry hunters. So I started to pursue that, right? I wanted lighter gear. I, instead of wearing my army camo, which was the initial idea, I'm just, you know, this stuff is functional. We chase enemies around in it all day long why can't i chase an elk around in it all day long and then you then you fall into that marketing that you just talked about and you fall into that well if i can shave a couple of ounces on a base layer then maybe i should do that (laughs) right and you know if i can whatever and it, it really turns into a weight reduction game at that point where you start to think by shaving ounces you're going to be better more efficient in the in the field in the in the backcountry right if you will 
Um, I, over time, I've found out that a lot of times that you spend a pile of money, literally, you could build a pile with it, <laughs> and you save ounces. Yeah. Right. It, oftentimes, like for example, if you if you wanted to go from an army base layer to the the cool camouflaged waffle knit top, I I, I might save three ounces on a on a mid layer or something like that. Yeah. And at, so <laughs> now four or five years later. I don't necessarily see the necessity to save all that. And I say that because I, I really do think that a lot of times you, you mentioned it earlier, rookies, guys that are going out for the first time, a, a lot of them are whitetail hunters. And let's be honest, whitetail gear isn't the most lightweight stuff on the market. It's usually hot. It, it's meant to be put on when and you're just sitting there, right? And right. you're trying to stay warm. And that's that might not be the most efficient thing to take out west. Um, likely it isn't because it's going to be way too hot. You're going to sweat too much. Um, so you can save some weight, but I challenge people to to try to save money because money equals education and opportunity. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Okay. And if if I could expand on that a little bit, and then we'll come back to gear. Education and opportunity. What I mean by both of those things is for the cost of a ultra lightweight, super synthetic moisture wicking, right? These are all buzzwords yeah. for the thought for the cost that it might cost you for that piece of that one clothing item. You could buy a one year subscription to to some of these online um, educational platforms, right? Our podcast is, is sponsored by Elk 101's University of Elk Hunting. Absolutely fantastic. And for 80 bucks, you can have a one-year subscription for all the knowledge that you need um, instead of that lightweight base layer or whatever it is. Yeah. So, And then opportunity. In saving all of that money, it might give you the opportunity to take the drive in August for a scouting trip to spend – four or five days in the mountains of Colorado to test some of the gear that we're going to talk about or to just scout for elk and look for elk and look for behavior patterns and yeah. things in the animal. And that costs you a couple hundred bucks, really. It's gas money to get out there. Public land, man, you put your tent up on public land and you get out in the woods and you experience what 2,000 feet of elevation climbing feels like right. and what 10,000 feet feels like. So... That's that's my thoughts. I, I think those are important, absolutely important. So. Yeah, and I'll just expand a little bit on what you what you said. I think um, when it comes to the saving money, right? And I, I we talk about this a lot on this podcast, but I I think it's we talk about it because it's important. And that is for me, I really did a lot of experimenting this year with brands and uh, particular pieces of clothing that were not marketed to the hunting industry or the, mm -hmm. the hunting community, right? So Sitka or First Light or Kuyu, yeah. that is marketed to hunters, right? Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. 100%. So just, just so everybody knows, you're paying more money be, because they're marketing towards a specific niche. And if you are that niche, you're going to pay more for that. Now, what I what I really focused on this year was going outside of the market and finding similar garments that 
um, were much cheaper, but performed exactly the same. And uh, my entire whitetail season, other than a other than a camo base layer, which has no relevance because it's underneath all this other clo- clothing. You mean you don't buy that first light camouflage underwear for an extra $20 for the pattern? Dude, I was rocking Hanes yeah, underwear. Well, all... It works, right? Right, right. So uh, so I ended up uh, um, experimenting with all that. And just like you said, you know, redistributing your funds to other places and some of this gear that I bought last year and this year – uh, saved me money out of my budget and it allowed me to have enough money at the end of the year to go back to South Dakota for a second mule deer trip this year. Yep. And all I did, like I had all my gear and all I had to pay for was hotels and gas money. And this time of year, that's dirt cheap, right? Yep. As far as hotels yep. are concerned. So it's just redistributing some of that, that budget and, um, or redistributing some of uh, the cost into similar garments that aren't marketed towards uh, whatever niche that is, whether it's, you know, like, hey, elk hunters need this particular clothing. And I get it, right? That's how companies, you know, make money. They got to market towards people. But I don't know about you, and I don't know about the rest of the listeners, but I straight up, straight up can't afford some of this some of this gear. And, and I've gotten... You know, full disclosure, I've I've gotten a lot of my Sitka, not all of it, but a lot of my Sitka, some of my First Light for free because mm-hmm. they have sent it to me to, to say, hey, Dan, you know, check this out, do this with it. And it's good gear. Don't get me wrong. It works really good. It performs really well. But I have not noticed the difference between that gear and what I've found for a cheaper price uh, online through Amazon, through LL Bean, through, um, you know, some of these, uh, these discount, uh, websites like steep and cheap or Backcountry, yep. uh, where their Merino wool base layer is damn near the same Merino wool that, uh, you know, some of the other quote unquote hunting brands have. And well, some of it to me, some of that Merino wool is even better. Yeah. I like a minus 33 or uh wool X. Mm-hmm. So, some of these other brands that are, they're more of a hiker hiker type of community or, or whatever yeah. community they fall into, but they're, it seems like they're just a better wool. They're softer, they're smoother, they're more comfortable. Yep. And they're usually 15, 20 bucks cheaper than some of the hunting brands. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Now, there is there is something to be said, and I, I will give this to the hunting brands, that a lot of times some of those outside of the hunting industry brands are very anti-hunting. Yes. And, you know, so there are some – there is some legitimacy to, to buying into the hunting brand, and it's because you know – Two percent for conservation, for example. That's a that's a um, uh, organization that you're involved with through yep. Sportsman's Nation, and a lot of those hunting companies are involved in two percent for conservation, where they're given back to the outdoors. Absolutely. So I, I will Absolutely. say that, but I think that there are also cheaper options if you are. So I, I'll circle back and say, if it's your first year and you're going and you're going out and you're you're literally looking to save your money because you're buying a $700 out of state tag or whatever save your money right yeah. it's it's your money do whatever you want to with it don't watch instagram and be like oh man i got to spend $100 now because instagram told me to yep 
all of the products are out there. They're, they're going to work, right? If it's a base layer and it's moisture wicking, it's, it's going to wick moisture. Yeah. So absolutely. Uh, and I just want to reiterate something you just said there. And I know this has nothing to do with gear, but the fact that companies like Sitka and First Light are 2% for conservation certified means a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to a lot of uh, companies uh, in or a lot of people in the hunting community because there are more companies that are not doing anything for conservation uh, that you know, like, uh, like first light and Sitka are doing, and those two companies do a lot. So, uh, that you make a really good point there. And I'm not, someone will probably reach out to me and say, Hey man, uh, you got to watch what you're doing because you're on the board of directors with, (laughs) with 2% for conservation and, uh, you know, whatever. So, but that's just my, that's my personal opinion. And absolutely. uh, so, so let's get back to, uh, the point where, you know, you said to yourself, Hey, I want to, I want to go out and I want to be a backcountry hunter, or I want to yep. be an, uh, you know, I want to be this kind of hunter. What was your thought process going into some of your first purchases? Did you fall victim or I shouldn't say victim? Did, did you, because I, yeah, I don't want to say victim because I, I feel like that's uh Hey, we got you. We got him. You know, when that's not the case, did you, do what most people do and go to the hunting brands first, or did you find other options first? Well, so I went, I did a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Um, I used some of my military equipment that I had. Fortunately I had it right there. There's probably some people that have absolutely nothing when they start. Yeah. Um, and, but I, but I did go to some of those hunting brands, um, mostly for my outer layers where the the cam, you know, that's going to be seen the camo, which oftentimes is, we think way too much about that, but, um, you got to look cool, right? If you don't look good, (laughs) you're never going to see animals if you don't look good. Right. Um, but I did. And then, you know, when it came time to find boots, I really started doing some research on boots and backpacks and some of the more essential, and I'll I'll call them essential because really it's tough to be out there regardless if you're backcountry is kind of a, um, misinterpreted term a lot of times I think. And I probably labeled my podcast incorrectly, actually. I, I don't, I don't know, but the, I think backcountry is often mis- misunderstood. So if you're truly going backcountry where you're going like five or 10 miles deep, then I think you need to look for a different type of equipment than, than you, if you're truck camping and we'll, look, we'll get back, we'll get to that too. But to answer your question, I, I did sort of fall into marketing and I started to buy some of those products that I saw the big names saying, does it, yeah. is that right? Yeah. 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 Yep. Okay. So then, so then, um, what was your progression then to now on how you identify a piece, a gear that you need or a category that you need? Let's just say, for example, boots or a water filter even, or, uh, you mentioned before we started recording a sleeping bag. How do you Mm -hmm. do that research and say, okay, this is what I, this is what I need and now you have to go look for it. Yeah. So it all boils down to understanding the hunt that you're going to be on. Um, if you are going to Oregon and you're going to hunt deep in the, the forest of Oregon, 
versus hunting in New Mexico, your gear is going to be different. And it, it's, it's understanding where you're going to be and, and how you're going to hunt. For example, when it comes to sleeping bag, if I was going up into Oregon, I would definitely want something that's water treated. You know, it's probably synthetic because it's going to dry out a heck of a lot faster versus if I'm hunting down here in New Mexico, I could use a down untreated bag and the likelihood of me getting that thing wet is pretty low and it'd be cheaper. It's lighter weight, you know, so understanding where you're going, boots is the same way, um, figure out the terrain that you're going to be in. If you're going to, if you're hunting in Oregon, you might need gators. You might need other forms of waterproofing versus here in New Mexico. Um, I don't wear gators down here in the Southwest. I, I've tried them a couple of times and I just don't need them. Now I did bear hunt up in Oregon and I wore gators and, and weather proof pants or rain pants almost the whole time I was out there because it was just wet all the time. It was always yeah. wet. So, so it's, so basically it's, uh, know your, know your environment first or what you're going to be using that gear for, yeah. and then find the application of that, uh, category or gear that works best for you in that environment. Yeah. That, that's kind of, that's my progression now. Yeah. <laughs> when I started, it wasn't really, I wasn't putting a lot of thought into it. I just knew I was going to Colorado and I knew I needed gear to hunt. Yeah. And, and I think. I think that's why we have all of the podcasts that we do now because people are trying to help educate others. This hunting gear podcast, the backcountry rookies, there's, there's a whole bunch of them out there where people can go for that type of information. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let me, let me, I'm going to ask a two part question now. And then one, and I, I'm going to share an example after I, I'm going to share an example first and then I'm going to ask you the question. So, my very first ever elk hunt, I went to Idaho and I didn't have enough money to pay for a tent. The only tent I had was this big Coleman tent that, um, you know, uh, it, it, I, I probably weighed 15 pounds, right? It just came in a box and then that was the only tent I had. And, and we were going to park at a trailhead. We were hiking two miles or three miles in and then we were setting up a camp. Okay. So, uh, instead I borrowed, uh, a tent that my buddy had for several years that was in a tote in his basement and, um, I didn't set it up. You know, it's, it's a little bit story of gear and learning curve, right? I didn't set Uh it up before. Well, I get out there, I get into, I get to, uh, um, uh, Idaho, get up in the mountains, all the parts were there, sent the tent up night. Number two, it starts to rain. And I roll over in my tent and I have about a half to an inch of standing water inside my tent. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. So that yeah. night I had to crawl in bed with my buddy and, uh, um, and snuggle up next to him. Uh, and the next morning we had to walk down, <laughs> we had to walk down the mountain, get in a car and go to a different town or go to the closest town, which was a touristy type town. And go to a sporting goods store there where I overpaid on a tent probably by $300. I bought a $750 tent, three-man three tent. And that's really the only options I had. But it was lightweight. It packed down real tight. And I still use it today uh, for all my backcountry uh, hunts. But with that said, do you have any examples of categories or products that, one, you 
bought and said, I don't really need this. And you, you still have it because you use it, but you don't really need it. Or two, you undervalued that product, bought something dirt cheap or borrowed it or, you know, maybe the wrong type of equipment for a hunt and wished you paid more for the high end gear. Well, I'm a buy once, cry once guy, usually. So I I will spend the extra money. But I know on on that first purchase to to get something that I really want or some – it depends on what it is really. But I also like to test a lot of stuff too. So when I say buy once, cry once, it kind of depends on the the piece of gear. Um, The – some of the undervalued stuff, I think shelters will always be – you don't know you need it until you've got it. Yeah. That whole sleeping system, honestly, if it's a sleeping pad, a sleeping bag, or the shelter that you sleep in. And I don't think that it necessarily needs to be a $750 shelter. Um, the first year that we went out, my one of my hunting buddies had went to Walmart, and he bought a one-man little little tiny shelter thing that he got at Walmart. And it was it worked. It did the trick for him. He bought it because we thought we were going to end up backpacking in and hunting. Um, we did for one night and then we were back at the, we, we were back at the truck the, the next night, but it worked for him and it was super cheap. Um, if it's something that you're going to just try out for the first year, backcountry hunting, that is, I totally recommend just buying not that buy once, cry once mentality and buy you a $60 shelter from Walmart and take it out with you. Use it. And if backcountry hunting or chasing elk is something that you truly love, then you will, then you'll start to figure out what you want, where you need to save money, how you can save money, what you want to spend a bunch of money on. Yeah. And how you're going to invest in that and, gear. Yeah. Yeah. And it will give you that first year. Uh, well, if you take the advice we gave in the beginning of saving some of your money and, and going out for a, a scouting trip or something, you'll be able to test out a lot of that gear and you're going to understand what works and what doesn't yeah. all the way down to the underwear and the socks that are, you know, that you're wearing underwear may, may not breathe very good and you may have a heck of a time. You know, and it, it it just might not work for you. The socks might rub on your boots and your toes wrong, and you end up with blisters. And if you can find all of that stuff out, then then those are necessary changes that you're going to have to make. Yeah. And that that goes with everything, from the, like I said, socks and underwear, all the way up to that shelter. Um, that shelter that my friend bought worked just fine for him. And if he comes out again, I I bet he brings that shelter. It worked it worked for him, and it was it was fine. Okay. So any, any examples that you can provide, uh, I know you said you're a buy once, cry once guy, but any examples that you can provide of maybe a product or a category that you undervalued and it ended up like not necessarily ruining a hunt, but you know, you maybe had some buyer's remorse and and wished you would have stepped up and got something different. Yeah. My sleeping bag for sure. The, the first year, um, <clears throat> the first year that I went, I started with an army issued sleeping bag, which anybody that's in the military knows that that it's a three layer system and it weighs about six pounds and it's huge. Yeah. So that's, that was my initial plan. And then I heard on some other podcasts somewhere how great quilts were. And I ended up with a quilt. And let me tell you, if, if it, 
I, I'm not a quilt guy. I'm not going to tell people not to use them. I'm going to tell them that they don't work for me. I toss and I turn and I end up, that thing just ends up not insulating me at all. And I freeze my butt off yeah. if I'm in a quilt. Um, it works great for early season, um, like a scouting trip I did in July when I went up to Colorado. It worked great. I used it as a blanket, basically, and it was perfect. Now, when it starts to get down into the below 30, I won't even think about taking that thing. I, I have a much better, more quality sleeping bag that goes with me anytime I know it's going to be in that chillier 30-ish degrees or below. Yeah, And that was... Those first few nights in that quilt were just miserable. They were terrible for me. So <laughs> it's basically just a blanket, right? Well, it yeah, it kind of is, but they snap in the back and they they don't have a uh, a hood on them, so you can't cover your head up. So you end up they're supposed to be marketed. I mean, they're marketed as lightweight, but for me, if I carry that thing around, I end up carrying a heavier base layer because I know I'm going to get cold. So I put on a heavier base layer and then I've got a sock cap that I take with me and a neck gaiter. And <laughs> I end up carrying a bunch of weight and a bunch of extra stuff because I'm carrying this quilt when I could just, I could have just spent the extra money and bought a really nice lightweight sleeping bag. And, and that's what I have now. Yeah. And I, that thing works great. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to change uh, the course of this conversation just just a hair, and I'm going to talk to you. I want to I want to talk about gear that we don't shop around for a replacement for. Because you're you're kind of just like me, man. I there's certain things, and I, I think for me, my vice is clothing. I like mm-hmm. to to mess around with my clothing, my socks, oh, yeah, my, my base layers, my pants, all that. My my down to my stocking cap, right? Yep. That's what I mess around with the most. I've but, got a whole closet full downstairs right. that are just random camos and different types and different right. weights and liners and all kinds of stuff. Right. Yep. So, but there are some products and my example is going to be in the world of whitetails that uh, I bought my first ever lone wolf uh, stand and sticks. I think it was in 2006 off of uh, some guy who I guess he just decided he didn't want to hunt anymore. And uh, that's that's what I bought, right? And it's taken, it. I don't say it, it's taken me, but it took me a handful of years to get really efficient with setting up, tearing down, and be, being able to get into just about any tree that I wanted to get in using, you know, four or less sticks and the assault platform. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, right now, this huge saddle hunting craze is sweeping the nation. And there's so many people that are telling me, dude, you got to try a saddle. You got to try a saddle. You got to try a saddle. And I just personally am not like, I don't think I'm a saddle guy because one, I've, I feel so confident and comfortable with that lone wolf and with that, those four sticks that I can I'm basically fluid, if, if that makes sense. I can go mm-hmm. and, and, and it's a part of me when I go and set it up and tear it down. Like it's, it happens real fast. Now, is it heavier than a, uh, a saddle? Yes, it is. But I feel like once I'm up in the tree and I, I guess I'm, I'm confident in, in that. So I don't go shop around for other tree stands, right? I, I, I'm comfortable. I'm confident in that. I guess another example, I'm trying to think of another example of, oh, boots, crispy. 
every like the last this year I was like, man, I need a new pair of boots because I've worn these for you know two years. Well, mm-hmm. I wore them for three years, and there's a chance that I wear the same boots for another year um, because they're broken in, they're comfortable. I know how they're going to perform, and I don't want to necessarily go out and shop for a new pair of boots. I think the next time I go out and buy a new pair of boots, it's going to be the exact same pair of boots as I'm wearing right now. Mm-hmm. So those are a couple examples of products that I don't even shop around for or really dig into because I know that what I have performs really well. Do you have any uh, examples of uh, a category or a product that you, you found it and you're comfortable with it? So I have a few different categories, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it, it, it's based on the season and the, and the area that I'm going to go to. Um, I'll, I'll say this, like if I was going to hunt, archery elk in in Colorado or here in New Mexico or Arizona or something, I have almost a go-to kit. And, and it's funny now that we're talking about it, I almost probably just need to put it all in one container and then I have it right. And I can just pull it and go. And it's a, a layering system that I use. It's a shelter that I like to use lightweight, uninsulated boots. And it's just easy. It's a small, I carry a smaller pack because I don't have near as much gear that I would take with me. So it's almost a full system that I would, that I would, is, is that I'm comfortable with. If it's something that I'm going to use later in the season, it's that different, it's that sleeping bag versus maybe my quilt. It's a different shelter. Um, it, you know, there's a lot of different ones and I, I, I mean, I can break that down if you want, like a, for the layering system. My lightweight layering system is Sitka. It's something that I've used for the last few years, and I've gotten really, really comfortable with it. I, I actually use a lot of Sitka, but as of lately, I've been kind of trying out some new stuff and different brands just to try it. But um, that Sitka, it's just a lightweight pair of pants. I don't wear base layers when it's warm outside. A lot of guys do for the moisture wicking properties of it. I don't. I just don't like it. I get too hot. And then I just wear a lightweight base layer and I keep a small jacket in my, um, in my backpack that if it gets a little bit chilly or we stop somewhere, I can, you know, throw that jacket on and and warm up a little bit. Shelter. I use a a floorless shelter in the, when it's hot outside in the summertime this year, I did pick up something new. I got a floored, um, it's a little two man ultralight pop-up tent that weighs two pounds and, that's something that I'm going to try to incorporate this coming year. Yeah. Cause, uh, the, and there's, there's a lot to be said for that too. The, a floored shelter versus a floorless shelter is there's, there's a big difference there. And a lot of people coming out maybe for the first time aren't familiar with rattlesnakes and field mice and all of these other things that could, I mean, it, the likelihood is very low, but they could show up in your tent if you don't have a floored shelter on <laughs> right. ants, bugs, just kind of whatever. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I I don't mind. I'll sleep on the ground or, you know, on a sleeping pad or something. But now some of these ultralight little pop-ups with a floor in them, (laughs) two pounds is hard to beat. Yeah. That that is super, super lightweight and, and they're becoming more affordable. So that was just something that I wanted to to incorporate next year that I'm going to try. Gotcha. So, yeah. But do you have a go-to, like a go-to product uh, that you just like, dude, this is badass. Like, I, I'm not going to change this up. <laughs> I, 
I don't think I do, man. Okay. Yeah, I do. I do have one, and that's my headlamp, I guess. If you want, if you want me to narrow one down, okay. but it's because I, I do. I use so much different stuff, and I'm like you. I tinker a lot. I think I said buy once, cry once earlier. Yeah. Now, as I'm thinking about it, <laughs> you I don't have, do that. <laughs> I have way too much stuff to buy once or cry once. You need to have uh, a garage sale. It sounds I, like. Yeah, you're not kidding. But I do. My head headlamps are absolutely important. I use black diamonds. Um, a lot of guys would use something different, but I think it's probably one of the most used items in my pack. Yeah. Literally. I, there's, I keep two of them. I keep one of them fully charged and ready to go in my truck, and then I always keep one in the hip belt pouch of my backpack ready to go. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, let's see here. I want to talk a little bit about your first, like, backpacking hunt where you took your tent in with you and your food in with you and all that stuff. Um, and then compare it to what you are taking in with you now. Did on your first hunt like that, did you underpack or did you overpack? I think I was overpacked a little bit. Okay. Um, I lot, I, I was fortunate enough. There, there's so many really, really good videos out there on YouTube with different guys that are doing these what's in my pack videos and we're actually going to do, we have some coming from backcountry rookies too, but they're a little different take on the what's in my pack. Um, those will be coming out here starting in January. And then, but I overpacked a, a little bit. And I, I only say that because there's, I'm really comfortable with being outside and I'm comfortable with being in uncomfortable situations. So I, when I watch these videos, I think, yeah, okay, I don't need all the extra stuff. But you'll see a lot of guys where they'll take two or three extra changes of clothes, yeah. right? When you're, when you're going out for four or five days. And if you need that, that's that's fine. But I would challenge people to maybe, before you go to the backcountry, go camping for a weekend, wherever you're from. If you're from Iowa or Indiana, go camping for the weekend. Wear the same clothes for the whole weekend. And you'll find out that there's a lot that we often overpack for for things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was overpacked a little bit. I, I always over food. I always take way too much food and it's always heavy because food is the heaviest component to your, your pack. Yeah. If you're going out for the, for multiple nights. Yeah. And I listen to all of these, these, whatever mountain toughs or whatever you want to call it, man, all, all these people. And I have a good friend, Kyle camp, who talks a lot about food and staying new, um, keeping your nutrition up so that you can keep your energy up. And I always take too much food. I never eat as much as I'm supposed to. And I don't really notice that lag until like two or three days into it. I guess I just too fat, right? My body has enough <laughs> stored. I have enough stored energy where I can get by a few days before I start needing that extra boost. And then by then I'm, I go back to the truck. Yeah. I don't do those whole 10 days gone suffering type of things. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So for me, my like for me, I definitely, other than that tent experience, my very first, uh, my very first experience was a overpacker, right? I I packed like just like you said, I packed a pair of socks and a pair of underwear for every single day, and yeah. this these last backcountry hunts were uh, in October when I was in, when I went in uh, for a mule deer hunt. I ended up, uh, I packed 
two pairs of socks and two pairs of underwear. And I would rotate them every day. So they had time to, you know, properly dry out. And then the next morning I'd put those on and in replace of the ones that I had. Um, and then one, one clothing, like I didn't, I, I knew the pants that I wanted to wear, the base layers that I wanted to wear. And that's what I wore the entire time. So there was a shave right there. Right. Um, Oh, definitely. And that, it all adds up, you know, yeah. It all adds up. Two pairs of socks and two pairs of underwear eh, doesn't weigh too much. No. An extra pair of pants. Okay. You know, yeah. before you know it, you've got three or four pounds worth of clothing that you right. don't need. And, and like you said, when you rotate those socks and underwear, if you're in a place that has water, a water source, lakes or creeks or streams or whatever, wash them out and hang them off your pack and let them dry while you're rotating them or you're wearing the other ones. Because then you come, you have a clean pair. They're not just a sweaty pair that have dried out now you have a they're rinsed off and they're they're halfway clean at least you know and yeah. then they're dried because they're hanging off your pack i always think it's funny when you see guys out you know you see them trekking around on a on a trail or something and there's a pair of underwear hanging off the back of their pack and <laughs> you don't you don't think twice about it right you're just like oh man okay he's been out here a couple of days probably right. washed him out yep yeah and then i'm trying to think of <laughs> man if you would have looked in my pack the very first elk hunt that I went on, you would have straight laughed at me because other than my evening freeze-dried meals, all I brought were uh, bars. So yeah. I had like just bricks of bars that I that I uh, brought with me. And, you know, when you're – I was eating maybe three of them a day and I packed just way too many of them. Right. And I, by the time we left, I had, I only used half of them. Right. So, um, like you said, the food. So now, now I'm, you know, bringing in some beef jerky, I'm bringing in some trail mix and I, I typically eat light throughout the day and a majority of my calories are coming from my evening meal. Um, so I I'm shaving there as well. However, this year was a really dry year in South Dakota, so I had to pack. I didn't know where, you know, the 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 water was low already last year when we went. So this year, uh, it, they had uh, somewhat of a drought out there, and there was a lot of dry uh, creek bed. So I had to bring in my water with me, and I was hiking three miles in, and I planned on being there for three days you know, three days worth uh-huh. of water. That's a lot, a lot of water to hike in. I think I ended up bringing in three, six, seven or eight liters of water with me. And that is heavy as shit. Just yeah. to let you know. Oh so, yeah. It yeah. Is. yeah it is. On top, and how far away from the truck were you? I was about three miles, three miles. Yeah. Two, was it, and, two and a half, three miles. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's times there where I, this is my personal opinion you may not like if water is really, really scarce and this is for new guys, right? Cause there may be some really experienced hunters that will listen to this and tell me I'm hundred percent out of my mind. But if you're a new guy, don't try to carry all that water, right? Don't, don't like, I don't think I, how, let me rephrase this. I think it's over dramatized or over it's made over cool to go and do these I'm gone for 10 days and I'm yeah. deep into the back country. If it's your first year, yeah. Don't try to do it. Take yeah. enough water with you to supply yourself for the day. Go back to the camp at night, 
take some buddies with you so that you got some stories to swap around the campfire, eat good food, drink a couple of beers if you want, enjoy the, enjoy the hunt because your likelihood of learning something, maybe, maybe you don't kill something, who cares, but you've learned something and you take something away and Next year, when you come back, you have all of that additional knowledge that you learned and you know what gear upgrades need to be done or some of them, right? Maybe you haven't totally dialed your system in, but at that point, you know, okay, I know how to filter water now because I did it from a seep up on the mountaintop. I've never filtered water from a seep. Now I know this is what I need to do it. And you can take so much away from that. And then it's getting, it's just, it's learning it over time and. Um, there, there is a lot to, to be said for that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say, I'll give you another little hack or whatever you want to call it. Money saving tip. If there's three guys, right. And they're going out from, uh, from Indiana. I use Indiana cause that's my home. There's three guys and they're going out. Don't everybody pay $700 for a tag. Your likelihood of tagging out on three tags in Colorado in the course of your five days that you have because that's how much vacation you have from work, your likelihood is almost zero on tagging out on three tags. And there is so much meat in one elk that I promise you, you three dudes are going to eat really good. So draw straws, one dude buys a tag and gets to keep the rack of the bull or whatever, or share it. I don't, I don't know as a trophy, but anyway, I don't think that you, that's $1,400 that could be saved between a group of three guys. If you buy one tag and you all hunt together and you learn how to hunt, everybody takes home a quarter, part of a backstrap, some of the meat and, and everybody's happy. Yeah, absolutely. And just yeah. to elaborate on that buddy system, um, this year, uh, no, it was last year when I went on my mule deer hunt and we, we hiked in, we saved weight and probably save some money by sharing equipment, right? So we shared mm-hmm. uh, a cooker or, or, you know, or a jet boil or whatever, what, whatever it is. And then, you know, like he doesn't have to bring one in. He doesn't have to bring gas in uh, because it, both of us, you know, one of us boils the water, dumps it in the one food the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know? So there's, there's certain items that maybe even a first aid kit, right? Or other things that, two people don't need, right? Just want, you just bring one of something when you have two people. And then that way you're, you're, you're cutting weight there as well. And for my, for our example was we brought in more water to, to replace that weight. And that just, yeah. you know, kept us, kept us, uh, happy there. So, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, uh, I wanted to talk about in regards to, um, uh, okay, here's what I want to talk about suggestions, right? Yep. So whether it's your experience from whitetail hunting, uh, whether it's experience from, uh, your backcountry hunting, we, we've talked about cost savings, right? So mm-hmm. we have a budget X number of dollars in it. We we're fairly new or, you know, we, or maybe even we're experienced uh, a little bit. Where do we skimp and save and where do we buy once, cry once, uh, as far as products are concerned, your first couple years, because, you know, don't get me wrong, but there are products and pieces of gear that trump other products and pieces of gear. 
for sure. Um, well, don't skimp on it unless you're hunting with a group of people, then you can skimp on the cost of a tag. Like I said earlier, <laughs> uh, but if so, you're going solo and a, and a lot of guys yeah. do, then, then go solo. Yeah. Don't buy cameras. God, I hear people all the time that are like, I got to do it for YouTube. Dude, if it's your first year and you're going hunting, none of it is for YouTube and none of it is for Instagram. Yeah. That's trash. Yeah. Go out and enjoy the hunt. So you don't need cameras. You don't need any of that. You got a cell phone and that's plenty. So you don't need to buy that stuff. Yeah. The things that you have to have, if you really break it down to getting an elk out of the woods and getting the hunt done, is you're going to need a really good pack, mm -hmm. a really good pair of boots, a decent weapon system, right? right. Or practice, right? I, I'm not saying you have to go buy the $5,000 custom rifle. If you've got an old, if you've got a Savage 110 or something, 300 Win Mag, make sure that you've shot that thing enough to be proficient with it. Buy the ammo, practice. Same thing with your bow or, or whatever weapon system that you're using. Buy extra arrows and practice. So, but that's all done pre-hunt. Boots, backpack, good trekking poles, some sort of GPS system or tracking system in some fashion, right? Uh, Onyx is a very popular one. I, I used to use Onyx. Now I use Go Hunt's mapping system. Um, there, there's there's a few of them out there. Base maps, Gaia, something like that. There, there's a few. Yep. Uh, but that is essential. Having that that mapping system in your hand and on your phone is absolutely. I mean, I've done the start of my army career. I would did nothing but play around in the woods, and I did it with paper maps and. Just understanding how to use a map is, is one thing in its own. But being able to have it on your cell phone is incredible. Man, yeah. that's changed the game. Yeah. Um, trekking poles aren't necessarily essential, but once you get 100 pounds on your back and you're going down a hill that's the steep grade and there's rocks and sticks and deadfall and and all of that other stuff, trekking poles become really handy. And then, of course, those those boots are are essential. Yeah. But, yeah, I've tried to go out and hike, and I did a scouting trip this this year in a pair of um, trail running shoes, just you know, soft sole trail running shoes. Yeah. And I swore I would never do that again. And that was only thirty pounds on my back. Yeah, yeah. So. I think, uh, and I made the mistake of using my whitetail boots f my first year uh, of uh -huh. hunting, and not not the big rubber boots, but uh, a different kind, you know, a different style of what you would consider a, a whitetail hunter boot uh, yeah. but i took that to idaho with me and that was a mistake um yeah. I, it was not fun so yeah. obviously feet care and that doesn't that doesn't matter what hunt you're on whether it's a whitetail or, or a elk or mule deer or whatever hunt you're on feet care for me once my toes go it, especially in cold weather or my feet start to hurt yeah it's almost like i'm like it's the start of mental defeat you oh know yeah what i mean oh, so yeah. Uh, especially in the whitetail woods, uh, my, my, my feet, if they go, I'm not in the stand too much longer after that. Yeah. Right. So for me, it's great pairs of socks and a good pair of boots. Uh, yep. And sometimes the socks are probably, I don't want to say more important, but they're really important compared yeah. to, uh, and, and just, and I talked to a guy who did I talk to? I'm trying to think of what, um, what he said he's like don't don't think of boots and socks as one or it's two different categories 
they're so important that they should be their own category, just one category, boots and socks. Yeah. And because they're a and pair. Test them. Yeah, absolutely. Test them out because they don't fit exactly together. And I, so I have like five different brands of socks downstairs in my closet. And I've, I, I have a combination with, I have two different pairs of boots and they, I don't wear the same socks with the, with the same boots, you know, cause yeah. they just fit different. They, yep. That's just the way that they are. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, from a whitetail standpoint, man, I don't think it's near as important. Um, because for the most part, you know, you know, there are going to be some guys that when they hear me say this, they're like, oh, no, I go back seven miles and I hike up yeah. mountains and for a white tail. I'm like, good for you, buddy. I don't yeah, like I, right. I, I walk. <laughs> I walk like I sit at the edge of that court field right, right over there and I shoot them every year. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I walk 500 yards from my truck, maybe a little bit more some on some instances, but I'm not too far from my truck. And I think a lot of uh, whitetail, a majority of whitetail hunters are like that, especially east of the Mississippi. Um, and and gear for that, other than trying to stay warm in cold temps, I think – uh, uh, a bow or an arrow, the more you practice with those, that gear, the more proficient you're going to be with any weapon. And yeah. I don't necessarily think that when it comes to the weapon of archery, uh, that certain brands or certain price points trump others. I just think practice is the key there. And the more you practice, the better you're going to get. And without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, people are killing deer consistently with, uh, recurves and a compound, no matter how you look at it, it has way more engineering into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, so, um, that's what I would say there. And then, you know, tree stands, if you can't afford a hang on and the mobile, the whole mobile game, dude, you can go buy a ladder King at farm, uh, a ladder at farm, a ladder stand at farm King for like 60 bucks. Yeah. and strap it to the tree. Um, and, but when it comes to, and a lot of it has to do with the, the way you hunt too, right? Whitetails, yeah. I'm sitting in a tree, I'm not moving. But there's more moving parts to a Western hunt, I feel, because you're in motion more. And yeah. when you're in motion more, and especially when you're adding elements like camping to the whole thing, there's just more, more to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to be prepared more for all these things because when I'm when I'm deer hunting, it's just like, well, I'm going to run. You know, there's a gas station. If I forgot something, I can go buy it there. Or run into a town real quick. But when I was out in South Dakota, man, there's no grocery store for 40 miles. Yeah. So right. it's it's a it's a big trip to have to go back into town for something. Yeah. I, so I have a list of my, kind of my essentials. Like if I was day hunting, what I would have in my pack. And if you want, I'll, I'll run through it real quick. Not brand specific at all. I'm not going to go into details. Yep. Um, I just have a good layering system and then a pack of course. And it, I will say this with packs. I, I think there's a, a couple of different kinds. Um, there's sort of a day pack type of deal where you just carry your essential stuff with you. And then if you shoot something, the intent is maybe just to throw a couple back straps in it and then get back to the truck where you get your big hauling framed thing, you know, uh, backpack. Yeah. I personally just use a, a backpack that's got a frame on it and I just pack it down small. Um, but there's a couple different options that you have there. 
good boots, weapon, GPS, trekking poles. And trekking poles, we didn't touch on them too much, but they can go from – I have a set that are 50 bucks that I bought off Amazon, and I've got a set that are like 200 bucks that are full carbon fiber from MSR, right? Yeah. You can get them everything in between. Yep. Um, another really important thing that we didn't touch on was wind checker. And so when you're hunting in the mountains and you're, and whitetails are the same way, but when you're hunting in the mountains, the wind is going to make or break how you approach the animals that you're going to hunt. So wind wind check is important. And I always keep a fresh bottle on me. And then I always have one back in the truck too. And that's way more than you would ever need. But I I keep a lot of it because I, I think it's that important optics and optics are one of those hunt dependent type of deals. Right. Like I, I know guys that carry nothing but a rangefinder when they go elk hunt because elk are huge and you can see an elk with your naked eye from one ridge to the next. Right. Right. Unless you're judging for it's a 300 or a 320 or a 350 or a 360 bull. I personally, I don't care if it's yeah. legal, I'm going to go after it. But so the, I, I know guys that hunt with a rangefinder, and that's all that they use for for binos for or for optics for elk hunting. Versus this coos deer hunt that I'm going on, I I would never just take a rangefinder. I've got an 85 millimeter spotter and 12 by 50 binos and tripods, and I, I like my whole optics setup is 100 percent different for a coos deer hunt than it is for an elk hunt. So yeah. that one is sort of understand the the game that you're going to hunt and how you want to hunt. Um. Calls, of course, calls are important. If you're elk hunting, you're going to have your, you know, your reed calls or your, your hoochie mamas or whatever it is that, that you're using for calls. Make sure you have those. A kill kit is important, I think. Yeah. And that is the game bag. It's just your, your, your ways. If you are two miles or five miles from the truck, you can prepare that animal. You can break it down. You can bag the meat. You can you got everything that you need with you to to make that happen and and that stays in my pack. We talked about a headlamp. I always make sure my tags are with me. Usually my tags stay in my bino harness just because then if I do drop my pack, I have my tags and I always keep a knife in my bino harness too, where I can start cleaning an animal. I can you know I can start preparing it right there. Yeah. Um, toilet paper. I don't go anywhere without it. I had an instance. <laughs> Here in New Mexico, <laughs> where I, I lost a pair of base layer bottoms because I, I, I jumped out of my truck. I had my rifle with me. I was going to look for a bear, and I was like, ah, I'm just going to run down this drainage real quick, and it, it looked bearish to me. And I ended up just walking and walking and walking, and I was about two miles from the truck, and duty calls, and I was in a bad spot. I didn't have a backpack. I didn't have anything with me but my rifle, so I lost a pair of of uh base layers because of that so uh <laughs> lesson learned there at least always throw some baby wipes in your pocket or right. something um i put food and then cook stove you mentioned the jet boil earlier my jet boil is is one of those things that we talked about earlier where it's a, i've never changed it and i absolutely love that thing mm-hmm. i love my cook stove whatever brand it is that you have i personally just use a jet boil but um I love that thing. I make coffee with it. I make yep. hot meals with it. I do. If it's really cold outside and you got to chill, you could even just heat up water, right? And make right. a hot cup of water. So I use that thing a lot. Water filter. Um, 
I, I my water filter is pretty simple because I, I hunt in most places there's water to be found, but I just use a bag with a filter inline filter attached to the hose. Then I could fill that bag up with whatever I find, clean yeah. water, dirty water, whatever it is that gets filtered out as I drink it. Um, backup batteries, I, I'll usually keep at least a one charge battery for my cell phone mm-hmm. that I can use or for my Garmin inReach. That way, if, if it goes dead for whatever reason, at least I know I can pop it in and get enough juice to, to make a call or, or send an SOS or whatever it is that I need. Yeah. I put phone and camera on there. Um, I, I don't always carry a camera with me, especially if I'm shooter for the day or whatever, I don't piss, I, I don't mess with a camera. I'll just, I keep my phone on me and that's it. I, like I said, I, I think a lot of this do it for YouTube, Instagram stuff is getting ridiculous. And I, I, especially guys that are brand new, we, I just don't see it, man. We spend more time worried about how we look than we do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you walk past more animals because you're selfie in or you're doing something than, than what you probably uh, even I have the idea of. And then I put on there, consider your budget. If you don't have much of a budget, just camp from your truck. Throw up yep. the family's old four-person whatever, tw- that tent that you took, man, or that you had, that Coleman that weighed 15 pounds. Who cares? Yeah. You're not packing it anywhere. Right. Set it up and set up a camp and make it enjoyable. If you're on a low budget, you can hike three or four miles a day and cover a lot of ground in every different direction and, and enjoy it. Yeah. All um, the bulls that we saw this year were within three miles of the truck. Yeah. Every, every elk that we got into was within three miles. So easily a day hunt. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to, I'll break down my you you did your western pack i'll do my whitetail pack okay Okay. because uh, and most of the time uh i'll just use this year as an example uh or a a normal year as an example right my my tree stand and my sticks are on my pack with me right so i'm moving around i'm not necessarily going to a, a already set up tree stand right so i'm mobile um so in my pack is uh, so a little bit of water and, uh, uh, my, my heavy coat or, uh, or my, uh, Arctic shield foot, uh, foot covers. Right. So I've, I have all, but the only time I use rubber boots now is to shovel my driveway or maybe check some trail cameras. I don't, I don't use uh, rubber boots anymore unless I know for a fact that I'm going to be crossing a Creek that is shallow enough for me to get across in a pair of rubber boots. Okay. Other than that, uh, my experience is that they, once that rubber gets cold in a long sit, your feet are getting cold with that rubber and it just, it's not worth it. So what I've found is, and this is a, a product that is a must for me in the tree stand is I'm wearing one pair of wool socks. I'm wearing my hiking boots and then I'm putting on my, um, I'm putting on my Arctic shield foot covers over top of that. And it just allows me to be more comfortable in the tree stand. And it, I'll be honest, it's probably one of the, my best purchases I've ever made are, huh. those, are those boot covers. So those I'm just, are, I'm looking at them on the yeah. internet right now. Those things are pretty sweet. Yeah. And then, um, and then whatever layer, whatever layer. So like this year it was, I'm walking to my tree stand in a base layer in a hoodie. And then when I get to the tree, I'd set up, I set up, I get a little warm, I just kind of chill for a little bit, let my body temperature cool down, and then I'll add an insulation layer over top of that, and then this big 
wool heavy um ll bean brown uh, sweater is what it was and and i have my uh carhartt stocking cap and that's that was basically what was in my pack uh going in now during the rut always a grunt call is on me my binos are always on me uh i got wind checker on the front that's always on me and i'm trying to think oh i run an ozonics now an ozonics is one of those products where do you need it if you're a, a rookie no you don't you you don't need that product but i've it's one of those uh, products where I feel really confident with it and I know what it can do in and out of the stand. So that's why I, I run it. I love the science behind it, but that's an extra, right? Uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, something extra that I bring, but I'm pretty minimal. The only, the only fluff I really bring with me in the whitetail woods is my cell phone and my Ozonics and the, you know, obviously I take pictures and I document what I do. Um, and yeah, but you've been doing it for a while. Yeah. And my, my, my point when I said that is if, if you don't know what you're doing and I get it, you're trying to tell the story of the family of people back home <laughs> right, or whatever, just take a few pictures. But a lot of times it's almost like I've, I've seen it on Instagram and I've seen it where it's, it's literally like I'm, I'm driving away from the driveway and this entire, hunt thing is is documented and i did a little bit of that my first year too and i realized really quickly like you know what's a whole lot more fun and enjoyable is to leave your phone in your pocket and to just go out and learn and watch the animals and move and just be part of it and be out in in the wilderness and not worry about (laughs) yeah all the other stuff you know that goes along with it i used to i used to sell film i guess dude i used to sell film so i was bringing a a camera arm uh, 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 I don't the base of the camera arm, the camera itself and, you know, uh, speakers and all that shit that goes along with that. And that was like the day I remember I had a 170 inch deer walk through a shooting lane that I was trying to get on camera so I could shoot it. And then I put a bad shot on it. Luckily that deer survived. And that was the last day I ever brought any camera equipment in the gear. I said, if I'm going to film something, I'm having a camera guy with me because I'm not going to try to do both. So, and I never have a camera guy with me. So anyway, there's that. Uh, And I I think as far as my whitetail gear, that's it, man. Sometimes I'll bring some snacks in with me, but uh, I don't ever sit all day. So I'm not bringing any food with me grunt call rattling antlers extra clothing boot covers uh obviously my bow and arrow but uh yeah it's pretty pretty simple man pretty simple simplistic so yeah uh, and it takes time to, yeah. to develop that and to get to that simple my all of my stuff is very simple now and it's it's i've just learned you know there's guys that have been doing it a heck of a lot longer than i have but four and five years and playing with different products and testing new stuff. I, I know what I like and I know what works for me and I know when to use it and what environments to use it in. And it's just something that you develop over yeah. time. Yep. Absolutely. And I, th- I think the learning curve probably was, was accelerated because of podcasts and different YouTube videos and things that you can, you can watch and you can learn, you know, like, denim and flannel yeah. <laughs> now you know okay those probably aren't gonna work they will work that's what i wore in south want dakota it to work for seven days yeah. straight yeah you know you don't you're not gonna live in that stuff for seven days um but 
I hunted yeah, out of my absolutely. truck in South Dakota this year and I wore, I don't even know. They're like, a uh, um, a Dickie. It's like a Dickies. Uh, I go like guys who work construction, wear them a lot or guys who are cutting trees down. It's a, it's a denim. I wore my heavy base layer cause it was freezing cold out there. And I wore that and yeah. it worked great. So that's what I wear in West Texas. Yeah. Whenever I go hunt out there because of those brush, that brush and the thorns and the, it, it just eats up regular, like oh, technical yeah. type of pants. And yeah. I'll throw, I have an old pair of Dickies. I've had them for who knows how long. And they just, they're durable as it can be. Yep. And it holds up to that type of stuff. Yep. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, is there anything else we need to talk about? We've been uh, BSing for about an hour now. Um, no, I don't. Think. I, I will. Before, as, as we part, I'll say, I want to circle back to that statement I made toward the beginning. And that was to, I would spend, if it's your first couple of years, I would probably spend the money on education versus yeah. whatever fancy new thing you've got yeah. or that's out there and, yeah. and supplement, right? If it's, I mean, you can buy all new camo and maybe you just don't need base layer bottoms and literally that will pay for your university of elk hunting membership yeah. or your, your go hunt membership where there's, and for all of these education platforms out there and, and, um, the, you can you can get them for for literally the cost of a base layer. So yeah, and then test all of that gear. There's nothing worse than than, and I'll use boots and socks as an example. Arriving at the trailhead and trying out a new pair of socks or something with your boots and finding out that they rub your pinky toe raw. Yeah, you know. So test it all. Test your tent. Right. You set up your tent. Um, not too long ago, I I had a video that I posted somewhere. I don't remember. But I had on a full set of rain gear, and it was pouring down rain at my house. So I put on the rain gear, and I went outside, and I sat in a chair for about 10 minutes in the pouring down rain. I was in the comfort of my own home. I had towels to dry off, you know, controlled environment, if you will. And I made sure that my rain gear didn't have any holes or leaks or that it was going to function for me in, in, a, in a storm yeah. if I needed it. And I, you can do that anytime. You don't have to live in the West and you don't have to live in the mountains to, to put on your Merino boxers and your, your breathable top and to go for a hike or something and see how it performs. Yeah. Um, try it all out, especially with electronics. So with your Garmin in reaches and your, your mapping systems on your phone or whatever it is, test it out and make sure you know how to save waypoints and send waypoints and, you know, mark locations and make sure you know how to do all of that stuff before you hit the trailhead. Cause that is the worst time to decide to start playing with, with something. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, that's probably my, I mean, if, as parting ways, that's, that's the only two things I would say was, and then I, I so we test it. We do test a lot of stuff between me and Jordan and the guys in the, in the back country rookies. We go through a lot of stuff and we all use different brands and we all use different things. So if people ever have questions about how does something perform, I mean, we could probably get pretty close to answering, uh, having yeah. a pretty solid answer for, for somebody if they were curious yeah. or do I need it, right? If, Hey, I'm going out in September. Do I need a base layer, a mid layer, a puffy jacket and a raincoat? Probably not. If you're going in September, you don't need all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, we're here to help, man. All these resources out here, they're there for a reason. Absolutely. And I'll tell you this, for anybody who's uh, still listening, I would say this. If you are ever thinking about, 
you know, you're a typical whitetail hunter and you're ever thinking about going west and you have you don't know where to start, the starting place is the Backcountry Rookies podcast because yeah. there's a ton of information. I, I I'm I'm lucky because I get to I don't listen to all of the episodes, but I get to edit all of the episodes. So I get to listen to uh, bits and pieces of them. And you're going to learn a shit ton from this podcast. So heads up. We've set it up that way. It was really, uh, and that was the whole idea behind it. And that was, that was the whole idea is the majority of those episodes are not us as the rookies talking as we bring on those subject matter experts. And through that, through one experience of, of the last four or five years, and talking to experts, that's how we've been able to accelerate our learning curve, yeah. right? Because not only do I, if I go out and I tear something up or I misuse a piece of equipment, I can come back and call somebody and say, let's do a podcast about that. Yeah. And Absolutely. then I learn more about it. And and we've been able to do that. So it is a good, I think it's a good platform. Of course, yeah. I'm a little biased, but I, <laughs> I think it's a great platform. But, All right, man. Well, hey, Chad, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for hopping on and uh, BSing about gear with us today. And uh, man, uh, I'll talk to you when I talk to you. Appreciate it, Dan. Thanks for having me on.